0: North Otago, it's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Hello again, Damien. Afternoon, Gary. You good? I'm very good. How are you?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, things are going really well lately. Yeah. Yeah, long may that last. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, into into winter, but yeah, not too bad most days. <laughs>
1: it's not bad. Not it's bad. not that cold. I've, yeah, I've met some people who've just moved to North Otago and now uh, coming from warmer climates. And I said, layers is the key, Gary. <laughs> just layers. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. And you're fine. And if it get a good frost by 9, 10 o'clock, she's warm. Yep. And then 3,
0: 4 o'clock, gets cold again. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh,
1: advice, eh?
0: Oh, probably best advice you've ever given anyone. Oh, thank you, Gary.
1: <laughs> hey, today I want to introduce today's guest, if so that's all right.
0: Oh, you go for it.
1: We have a um, young lady on the on the podcast today who was well-known... With her athletic ability, her sport playing ability, Mm -hmm. and gone to great length and actually was a professional for 10 years in her craft. Right. Yeah, and I say the name and some people will remember it. She is now Shelley Bryce, but she wants Shelley Stevens. Welcome to the podcast, Shelley.
0: Hi, Thanks. Hi Shelley, great to have you on and uh, really yep, looking forward to, you, to, to hearing about your your, your, your various um, adventures across the years, so yeah, welcome. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been to Amaru,
2: but um, it
0: always brings back
1: great memories uh, for me. <laughs> yeah, um, first question we always get to, and I know the answer to this, so where were you born and how long did it take you to realise Auckland wasn't the place and you needed to <laughs> shift to North Otago? Right. <laughs>
2: Well it didn't take long Because I was born in Auckland And we only lived here for two years Yeah, And then my parents wanted to um, Move into dairy farming So we just kept moving south And I think we got to Papakaya, Um And I was about Seven or eight years old I think maybe seven And so we um, Me and my two brothers We went to Papakaya Primary School And um, Grew up there basically And um, yeah, and the rest of history, and that's how I got sort of introduced to Tina's and the whole community down there. So it was a big change uh, for us.
1: So um, did you end up buying up dairy farm, the parents, or were they just share milking or working? How uh, did that
2: work? We were share milkers at the time, so we sort of, I think my dad did some things in the North Island learning how to share milk, and we are somewhere else just outside of Otrahonga, and then that's when um, I don't know how he came up with the grand idea to move to South Island, so we went all the way from just out of Hamilton or Ochoonga to to Omaru to Pepekayo, so yeah, that was a big move for us.
1: Was that a bit of a culture uh, shock for you as a young seven, eight-year-old? Like, How did you get on with that move?
2: uh, I think we were pretty resilient because we had moved around quite a bit um, as kids, like going from farm to farm, and I think when we came to Omaru, it was that's where we were staying for quite a while and we were quite settled and we, and it was a really nice community. I remember just moving in there and uh, we met some lovely people and this was strange because they had like a big potluck dinner as a whole community so we got to meet a lot of people down there when we first moved down. So yeah, it didn't take us long to really uh, meet friends and um, things like that and get into the community down there and that's what I think what we really loved about um, Papakaio in particular was a community sense. Um, yeah, we got to know everyone in the community and it was a lovely place to grow up and I still have fond memories of going to Papakaio Primary School.
1: Yeah, a good school, Papakaya. Um, Do you ever remember when Totra School and Papakaio got together and they did some exchanges, you came to our school, we went to yours? Were you involved in that? Yeah,
2: I'm pretty sure we did yeah. because um, there were lots of like, sports days it would do things against other schools. Yeah. So, yeah, no, um, you I always remember things like that, and yeah. you've been to, you know, you go around to different schools. Um, but just my memory
1: is very vague. <laughs> you would have had the G- Gibsons and the Icebisters and the Hursts and all those yep. good Papakaya names out there then?
2: Yes, we were all in the same class, all those names at some stage. Yeah. Sometimes even in the same class as my brother, which he hated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no, no, it was a great, uh, good place to grow
0: up. So, what what memories do you have of the school itself? You know, any, any teachers, principal, um, any oh, yeah. adventures? Uh,
2: oh God, so many! It was so funny. <laughs> like, some, I used to tell people up here, like. On April Fool's Day, we used to run out into the field and hide from the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, think we'd ever do that here in Auckland. Uh, else, the whole class would hide. But um, no, it was um, we had uh, we had some really good teachers, and I think uh, quite a lot of us have done quite well out of going to Paparoa Primary School by keeping um, in touch with a few people over the years. Um, we had Gunter Vanegas as our um, principal down there. I think my mum was, because my mum's a school teacher. I think she, she did, luckily, she didn't teach me sex education, but she did <laughs> uh, my older brother. and I think oh, no. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she had to relief teach quite a few times. Yeah. So, yeah. But we just played everything there. Life played netball, hockey, tennis, padded tennis. Like, it was a really sporting community.
0: And did your teacher go looking for you on that April Fool's Day? Or did you just oh, leave? There's you always
2: out one cut that stays behind <laughs> and tells the teacher where we are. <laughs>
1: but oh, yeah, no,
2: it's a really good memory.
1: Yeah, have Guy is still a good, great community out there, really um, good people, and it's still um, dairy farming and that, but yeah, it's going ahead really well.
0: Good facilities out there too, good uh, tennis courts out there. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, actually, um, we went
2: down there two years ago, um, showed the
0: kids like we're. Right. I was from and things
2: like that went to Papakai and stayed in Omaru, um the night and it was it was just cool going to see because some of it's changed but it's all still relatively the same yeah mm-hmm. but they've got a really cool playground the kids are like oh this is really cool this playground I was like yeah this is what country schools is about you yeah, good playgrounds
1: yeah <laughs> and then they the days you were allowed to go play in the trees and climb as high as you could and no one yeah really told you off like. You're allowed to do it then. I don't know if you're allowed to do it nowadays, are you, Karen?
0: <laughs> probably needs some safety <laughs> matting underneath or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, before we get on to high school, because it's quite important, we probably have to get onto the tennis because that shaped um, the rest of your schooling years. So talk about how you got on to tennis and how that ended up becoming such a passion. Yeah, um, it just sort of
2: evolved, I guess, over the years because um – I had an older brother. He went to St Kevin's, and we just, um, you know, like back in those days, you didn't watch a lot of TV and things like that, and we'd just bike down the road and just have a hit of tennis, not that we knew what we were doing. And um, we, we did that over the years from when I was about five. Mum and Dad would go and have a hit, and I'd try and join in, and then I wasn't allowed to. Then we'd have a swim in the school pool, and that's what we'd do wherever we were, and when we got to Papakai, I was like mad on tennis, I really wanted to play, but um, I think there was a rule back then that you weren't allowed to play until you were 10, so I was just waiting until I was 10, and then I could actually play in a competition or inter-club, and so we used to go down for the odd hit, and then have a swim in the pool, and then I would annoy mum and dad come out for another hit, and me and my brother used to bike down quite a lot and play matches against each other. And we never finished one, because um, we'd always fight or would cheat. <laughs> he thinks that I cheated, but it's <laughs> so not true. I'd always go off crying, biking home or something like that. <laughs>
0: Taking it seriously.
2: So, well, yeah, exactly. Well, he was never going to lose to his uh, younger sister. Mm. <laughs> I was just annoying to him. <laughs> and um, so basically, that's how I sort of got started. And uh, then when I finally uh, turned 10... Um, I was allowed to play but before that I played every other sport so um, at lunchtime at school you know we'd play lots of sorts of games I think we played softball things like that and because we were such a small school everyone would do it almost together in our same new group we'd play four square pad tennis and then I played for the school team for netball played hockey I was in the school I was in the rep team for netball and then I think at one stage, I filled in one match for the hockey team and they wanted me for the rep team of hockey, for hockey. And I said, no, sorry, I can't. It's going to clash with the two things. So, um, and then I got into playing a lot more tennis and the North Otago champs sort of came up. And my mum was like, oh, you can't play. You only have an underarm service. Yes, you can serve. Anyway, I was persistent and she let me play. I think I was even naughty that weekend. And she was going to say, no, you're not allowed to play and talk me out. And um, she succumbed to letting me play the North Australia champs, and I think I came runner up. So that meant you know, I had to go to Dunedin for the quadrangular. Um, so what age were I you think
1: think when you came runner up?
2: I runner-up? think I think I was ten.
1: And you came runner up in the open champion, or Oh, no, three. it was in the under
2: twelve. Oh, under yeah. the
1: twelves, and you still yeah. only your second serve was underarm.
2: Well, then, and I thought, well, by yeah. the time I got to play in the quadrangular, I needed to up my skills a little bit more. Yeah, and so then we had this guy come to Omeroo, and he he had about 20 of us on the tennis court at once, and he'd coach us, this guy called Gordon uh, McEachran. He'd go to Waitaki Girls and take a whole bunch of us that could play and coach us for about two hours every week or every couple of weeks. I can't remember how, how it went. And that's how it sort of started, coaching with him. And somehow, I'm not sure where it was um, along the way, um, my parents thought, oh, I need a little bit more coaching because we'd go away or I'd go and play a tournament and you'd see all these other kids and they had They knew the right grips and things like that, but I didn't. Um, So they ended up taking me to Timaru twice a week to coaching with a guy called Craig Workman up there. So he sort of started me off... um, And he was a really, um, really awesome coach. Um, So I was lucky that I found him as my first sort of um, coach, really, um, to start me off so I didn't get into too many bad habits. So that sort of went from there. And um, Dad used to take me down to the um, tennis courts and... um, Um, Feed me tennis balls Because Craig would tell me What I needed to be doing But Dad couldn't feed them In the right place So we'd end up Having an argument (laughs) Again Dad would (laughs) speed off In the car home And I'd have to run home crying Again Lots of moments like that But yeah Yeah Yeah, So that's sort of How it sort of Evolved into me um, Starting Into playing tennis So
1: why did tennis win out over netball and hockey and all of the other sports? Were you more passionate about that, or you're more naturally gifted at tennis? Or uh, it sounds like you're a, you're a good sports person. Why did tennis win?
2: Uh, I think it won. Um, probably one of the main things was uh, I think in tennis you can sort of prove your prove yourself by winning. Yeah. Whereas in netball because um, netball was probably my main sport. It was more up to the coach if they decided they liked you or not. And I think I played in one sort of regional competition. I don't think I played that much. I went home and I was like, oh, I'm just sick of this. I didn't, hardly got to play. Yeah. Um, so that's why. And then I said to mum, that's I'm not playing anymore. That's the end of my season. I'm going to just play tennis and focus on that because at least I can prove myself on the... Um, on the um, tennis court and even if someone doesn't think I'm good enough and I beat them, well, then that's your result. I'm better than them already and I can get into that team ahead of, ahead of someone. So that's sort of how I got steered down that path. And um, being in Omro or Papakayo, like I was lucky in the community we lived in. We had some p- great people that sort of helped me along the way. I think they could all sort of see... Um, some sort of talent. I don't know what they saw in me, but they saw something.
0: <laughs> the ones
1: like um, John McDonald and the Hearst and that, they would have, there was a good culture of tennis at Papakai, So some of them must have got it and supported and recognised that you had potential.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, um they'd take me down to have hits with me, uh, which was great. We also had Linda who yep. lived down there at the time. I think she lived in Nelson now. And I think she was top six in New Zealand. So she was something for someone to look up to And going, oh, yeah. Um, And um, so it was a really good um, community. And then I had Georgina Salter. She used to come um, some mornings and just train me, fitness train me. Mm. Um, And she she really took me under her wig and she was fantastic. And then she would take me down to Dunedin and do fitness testing with the Otago Netball team when I was about 11 or 12. Uh, So that was quite good, just to know where I was physically as well.
1: That's awesome. What amazing, she took you under her wing. And even though you weren't playing her, she was still good at tennis, by the way, but she got you involved with the netball. She connected you in there. So that's an amazing connection.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It was was great. And I think um, even when I was in Dunedin, um, I could talk to her and say, oh, this and this was happening. Um, Yeah, so I was... Really, really um, lucky with some of the people that I ran out into over the
0: years. Certainly, sounds like you've had some pretty good mentors and and role models around you, which um, yeah, obviously rubbed off.
2: Yeah, definitely, and it's just luck really of who you run into, because mm. you can run into the wrong sort of people too, and uh, you got to fish those sort of people out over the years. And yeah, but I've been lucky that I've had some really good um, um, people that you know you get advice from over the years that have um, helped me lead me into the right
0: direction. So yeah. the North Otago Championships is, you know, it's still quite a, a, a big competition and I think a lot of people look forward to it. But at your time here, did, was it something that you, uh, you know, absolutely played uh, to, to be in every year? Or what, what was um, your feelings towards that?
2: Oh, definitely. It was definitely a big event, Like especially when I was living down there from when I was, Uh, 10 to 12, and then they had a ladder system as well, so you used to have to organise um, um, an umpire, and you'd go and play someone on the ladder, and I was always, um, for about two years, it was me and Renee Fisher going at it at the ladder, like, who was going to be the top on the ladder, and I'd challenge her and lose, or then I'd beat her, and so it went kind of like that for a little bit, and then I... um, and it's funny because I've still got these old photos and used to win really good prizes at the tournaments and all around, like at Radio and Tennis bag, and things like that. So we really loved, um, I loved playing in it. Yeah. It was on grass as well. Like um, some, sometimes we played some of those uh, tournaments at the grass courts, which is my unbelievably worst surface in the whole world. And I can't believe I started a little bit. We played on the asphalt and we played on grass. And uh, we played, like, mixed doubles or the parent-child tournament there. So, yeah, we had a lot of memories at those uh, tennis courts here.
0: So there must be a lot of technical aspects, you know, the, all the different parts of the game and, and obviously surfaces. Um, so did you excel at any particular parts of, of the game itself?
2: Uh, yeah, probably my forehand and my serve were my two big weapons. Um uh, clay ended up being my best surface, but only because I ended up spending a lot of time in uh, Europe. Uh, it would spend like nine months or a year there, so it became you start adapting to that surface and start learning how to play on it. Mm. Um, yeah, so and some people, because of, you know they have grown up their whole lives on grass, that would be their best service because they've developed their game around it. So, just depending on sort of. Where you are and what
1: you're doing As to um, how your game evolves Shelley I reckon um, Gary's just jumped your head too far We're missing a bit there We've got to go back So it's <laughs> 12 and now we're playing in Europe We missed some schooling And, um, and then developing oh, yeah. And then winning under 18 New Zealand And going on to be New Zealand champ So let's just Jump in there. Schooling, where you would have loved to go to one of the uh, amazing North Otago schools uh, with all your friends and, you know, your big brother possibly. What happened?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I was really looking forward to going to St. Kevin's and I was meant to go. I went to orientation day and all that. And I think um, I just finished playing the 12s Nationals and I actually didn't win it. I came, um, I won the plate, <laughs> which is a consolation. But I'd just been on this New Zealand tour, so they had a South Island team and a North Island team, and I was part of – and we went to Brisbane. But then I ended up playing, like, the number one seed in the second round, which was a little bit unfair. We were like, oh, because I should have been seeded at the Nationals. Anyway, I lost to her, and she won the whole event, and we probably should have been in the final slash semi-finals against each other and got to the plate. So I won the plate and I think I think they in those days things went digital or anything and it's just like I don't even know how they did it to be honest um, and I was quite new on the thing because uh, um, as I said I was just developing my technique and my raw skills and I think Craig had left Timaru by then so um, I had to find a new coach which a new coach came in uh, from I think Neil Carter came from, um, he was living in Kuwait at the time and came to Dunedin to be the new regional coach for Southern Districts. So that's how he sort of picked me up and I started working with him. Um, and then when I got to the finals, of, well, I won the plate, my parents said, oh, I think we need a little bit more tennis. And I said, no, I'm not staying in Omaru. I'm going to Dunedin with my coach and I'm going to go to Otago Girls and start school there. And they were like, oh, okay, if you want that. <laughs> and because uh, I think Pete Cartwright, he was going as well at the same time, and um, I think he was top four in New Zealand at that stage for under-12s. And uh, so we both um, ended up uh, going to Dunedin to go to high school, basically. Mm,
0: quite – not um, yeah. <laughs> Quite a a decision for a 12-year-old to decide, (laughs) going to move out of home, go boarding?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, I just had my goal, and I don't think my parents were going to stop me. I was pretty determined back then and what I wanted. Um, And I think they could sort of see, look, she's putting in the hard work. Uh, Let's do it. Whereas I could just say things and not do the hard work. Whereas they could see me, I'd go for runs, I would skip every day i would go and hit against the wall at school so that would you know when i had no one to hit with i'd hit hundreds of forehands hundreds of backhands and um so i was putting in the effort outside of like just coaching yeah and it was expensive
0: yeah no very good sign of dedication there
1: so just talking Mm. through so obviously you played under-12s nationally, did really well. Um, you played against Australia and then going through the age groups right up. So talk us about your journey and how you just keep progress, uh, progressing from there.
2: Yeah, so I think um, um, these years, they all sort of are a little bit blurry, but I went to Otago Girls for uh, about a year, and then I, um, or it was even that year, and I made the New Zealand team to go to Europe when I was 14. Uh, or 13, and we went to do this um, circuit. And um, so I think it was me, Terence McManus, and there was another girl, Natasha, the three of us went to um, a circuit called the Karl-Gantua circuit. And it was like five tournaments. So we went to Holland for three weeks, uh, Germany, uh, Belgium for a week, and then Germany for a week. And so that was our first real time in Europe. And playing on the clay and all the top players in that age group that under-14s would play that circuit in the world. So they've had Nadal play there, Hangers had played there, um, a lot of the top players. So you go there and you just go there and get your buck, basically. Um, but it was a really good learning curve because you sort of, because we were so raw in how much uh, match play that we've had compared to some of these Europeans slash South Americans because we're not exposed to it as much here in New Zealand, it was a great eye-opener and it was a really good training for us as well. Like Even though we'd go to these tournaments, we'd win a couple of matches, lose a couple, lose most of them, basically. Um, but we got to practice with a lot of these players and that just put us, you know, to improve to that next tier because going away um, is a really big, vital thing. Um, and, and then um, I think... I think it was a year one of the years I missed just about a whole term off school um, because we were travelling within Asia. This is when I was about under 15 um, because we were playing in the World Youth Cup um, team coming to New Zealand. So we went on this big, like, six-week tour of Asia, and that was awesome as well. So I think that was when I was, like, fourth form or year 10 or year 11.
1: Mm-hmm. So, did, did a parent get yeah. with you or you just went with the coaches? How did that work out? Mm-hmm.
2: No, we just went with coaches uh, back then. So the coach was responsible for us. And, yeah, and uh, it was just tennis, um, tennis, tennis, tennis. And, you know, you go to these places around the world and you get a little bit of sightseeing in, but not too much. And you're just training when you're off court, which is um, that's the time that you can train with some of these top kids in the world, really, when you're um, at some of these tournaments. So you're using it as... You know, to get yourself better and your rankings get better but you're also trading against these top players in the world as well at the same time so um, puts you in good stepping stones
0: At that stage were you was was it still a seasonal game for you or did, was it pretty much what you played year round?
2: No it got into all year round as soon as I left uh, Omero and went to Dunedin because um, I was just training mm. all the time. And I think back to it now and I'm like, how did I end up training outdoors at 7am in the morning in, at Logan Park in Dunedin? It's <laughs> like freezing. Yep. And even even like when I lived in Omeroo biking to school, I'm like, oh, how did I do that at that time? It's so cold, but you just don't think of it then. <laughs> and yep.
1: Then
2: you think back to it now, I'm like, shoot, how did I do that? But you just do
1: what you have to do and what you I uh, need to do, really. We were um, a yeah. lot tougher back in those days, Shelley, weren't we?
2: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Like, they're so lucky now with some of these indoor things I've got. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. No, no. we're, um, yeah. But I think I did, I won the 14s Nationals. So it went from be- winning the plate at the 12th Nationals to two years later, I won the 14 and under Nationals two years later after that.
1: Mm. So I did improve for That's, the plate. That you- that's fantastic, though, and just your age, travelling the world, what an experience for a young girl, seeing the world, playing tennis, enjoying herself. Um, was it all sponsored, or did Mum and Dad have to, you know, put money towards that, or how did that go?
2: Um, no, it wasn't all sponsored. Some of it was. It depends on what it was. Uh, those details are very blurry. I try not to ask Mum and Dad no. about that yeah. because I might ask me for some money back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, some of it was uh, I got some help over the years from uh, Māori Tennis, Tennis New Zealand. They had their structures of how it was structured, so you'd get money from that. Uh, when we were representing like New Zealand for the uh, World Youth Cups, um, then it was fully funded because you were representing New Zealand, at World Fed Cup. Um, we, that, that was fully funded, but most of the other times you'd get, sometimes you'd get a lump sum for the year and that. That's what you got, and then everything else was picked up on from um, sponsors or who else could help or
0: some trusts and things like that. What's the the pathway? Um, You'd gone through school, um, and obviously you got some international experience and so on, but how how do you progress from there? Is it um, that you're getting picked up by sponsors and so on, or what, what happens then?
2: No, it's actually a really hard transition. Like, um, I think, so what happened to me, I sort of got um, into the Fed Cup team when I was 16, and that's when, um, which is the women's, um, women's uh, sort of equivalent of Davis Cup. So it's a women's federation cup team. So there were just three, a, three of us in it that year. There was myself, there was Claudine Talia Fowler, and I think it was Rachel Clark was the other one in the team, The three of us. And um, and so what kind of happened is I was I was going to Korea and then I got this contract in Germany uh, for club tennis, and um, so they basically would pay you to play club competition for them and it lasts for so many weeks. And um, my parents had no idea who this uh, where I was going, but my coach. Knew a coach a that knew the coach at the club that I was going to. So they were like, okay, let's just send her there. <laughs> and so after Fed Cup in Korea, just got on a flight by myself and ended up in uh, Germany and waiting for this random person to pick me up at Frankfurt Airport. That's and insane. actually they picked me up a day late. Yeah, and we realised that with the time difference and everything, um, they were coming a day later. So I had to stay at an extra night in Frankfurt and get randomly picked up by this... Coach um, in Frankfurt to uh, play club tennis at. Um, So it's kind of like I said to my parents, because they were a bit worried, I said, oh, well, you're not going to stop me because I'm just going to go anyway um, because this is my dream to do this, and this is a big opportunity. So basically um, there was kind of a way that we could afford it, whereas some other people might be able to afford to take a coach with them or to get it sponsored or something. But um, uh, my parents certainly couldn't. um, And it was a good way for me to get some exposure on the clay and to um, play club tennis and play matches. And being in a hub in Germany meant that I had a lot of tournaments um, at my disposal uh, that I could go to. So... um, Yeah, I was quite lucky and I didn't tell my parents the whole story of what was actually happening because they thought I was going to live with the family and I turned up and they gave me my own apartment and and there was another New Zealand guy playing at the same club so they felt oh, that's good, he's there as well to look after me and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't tell them that I had my own apartment. (laughs) Just said, yeah, yeah, the family's really lovely. And I told them when I got home because they would have made me go home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But when you've got your goals set on something, you're not going to let anything get in your way sort of thing.
0: So navigating a foreign country, you know, by by yourself. Um, 16 years old. It would be an amazing experience.
2: Yeah, no, it was and you're just putting your trust into strangers really and I was lucky I ended up that we had a good coach and um, I had a really good coach there and he sort of um, took me under his wing and then I went and played quite a few junior tournaments and then I started playing some um, professional women's tournaments as well. So I think I played a couple of um, lead-ins to the French Open uh, tournaments and then, but I just went all by myself And what I didn't tell my parents as well I'd finish a match in Germany And I'd catch a night train somewhere And I'd end up in a different country Or Italy or something like that And end up playing a the tournament there And just catch a night train back Me being naive as I am And just did it yeah. Because they, would, they wouldn't let me do that either.
1: Your, your poor parents. Um, just I know that you've got <laughs> children nowadays. <laughs> has any of them got that same gene as you that just wants to explore and take off, or are you, are you too wise um, for that? Uh, yeah.
2: No, not not really. If they had a goal that yeah. they really wanted to, maybe.
1: Yeah.
2: But none of them have got a goal to maybe be to play team. professionally or yeah. be like that. Um, my middle child has told me, and he's more like me than. Um, oh, yeah, I just want to get as far away from here as possible. Yeah. I'm like but you're leaving me yeah. <laughs> and um, not in a bad way he wants to get away, he wants to like travel the world and things like that
0: so
2: mm, yep. and, yeah, so, I don't know, we'll see we'll yeah. see, everything can change very quickly
0: So how, how did you um, afford your lifestyle Like were parents sending money over
2: um, Well when I was 16 I think they had to and then by the time I was A little bit older, like maybe a year or two later, I had to pay for it all by myself, basically. So there were money tournaments, um, things like that, that I could play to help. Afford like travelling. I was lucky that I had that base in Europe so I could, I didn't have to pay for it. And I ended up actually living with one of the families in that town because I became really good friends with them. Mm. And um, so I just, and I still go over and visit whenever I'm in Europe um, because I like my German family, I call them. Um, So I've had some good help along the way there as well. Um, So yeah, but you'd get prize money also. So as my ranking, my Uh, Women's ranking went up Then you earn a little bit more money So earning Um, And then I played also for a club in France And one in Switzerland at one time So just all between playing tournaments um, Playing for New Zealand And then playing um, club tennis You know, it was enough to survive It didn't make millions like the top, top players But made enough just to get by Mm -hmm. And to support my career
1: Yep. Just help me understand. So, you're 16, you sort of took that leap, you went over there. So, you didn't come back, finish schooling, and do any of that. You just stayed on and kept playing tennis right through, or did you?
2: Yeah, I'd come there. So, that first I went for six months, and then after that, I'd end up going like for nine, ten months away a year. Yep. Um, my schooling, I ended up wrapping up schooling end of year um, 10, which was fourth form at Otago Girls. So I only went there for two years, and then I ended up. Um, doing correspondence because uh, I was away for too much. So, because my mum was a school teacher, uh, yep. she sort of emphasised the schooling. Which I look at the school that my kids do now. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was at school. This is so much easier. Because mm-hmm. I would go away with like 20 kilos worth of books and have to hide it to get on the plane anywhere because I'd be charged for over luggage. And um, and then in, in those days, because there was no internet, I'd have to do my schoolwork. You're not getting any help by any teachers, well, you could, but from Germany it was hard. When I was in New Zealand, there was an 0800 number I could call them on, but that was about it. So it was just I'd have to post everything back to New Zealand um, of what I'd submitted, what I'd done for the year. Yeah. So, yeah, correspondence was um, – I sort of did my uh, sixth form, which is year 12 now equivalent. I did that over two years just because – you just don't have as much time um, to get things done when you're travelling and you don't have the resources. And then I just I, I didn't do year um, 13 um, because by the time I wanted to go to university my marks were good enough to get me into university or I could have gone as a Mississature student which I ended up doing that by correspondence also.
0: So the schooling system allowed you to be a bit more flexible in what you were doing?
2: Yeah, yeah, I was lucky.
1: Yeah. yeah. Shelly, yeah. I'm blown away. I look at it, 16-year-olds nowadays you <laughs> cannot imagine them doing what you've done. So have you ever done a personality thing called Strength Finder? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, I was just wondering. If you had, I just wondered what your top five strengths were because um, – just the confidence to do that and the ability to navigate as a young girl going through life and living in a new country and following your passion and your dream. Wow, it's amazing. I reckon we should make a movie on you. <laughs> Incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, some of the stories would be funny, but... <laughs> well, okay then, let's tell us a funny story when you're overseas. Look, no one's listening. Your parents definitely won't listen to this. Tell us a funny story about what happened when you're overseas.
2: Oh, God, which
1: one? Probably the one <laughs> that's one? just edgy enough to sell online, but maybe you don't want your children just finding out yet. You know
2: Oh, that? no. Oh, it was just more the travel stories or, you know, you go to a tournament and, like, we're in Japan and we've got to – it's so expensive, the hotels there. So we thought about four of us thought – or I think one time we had six of us in one room, and that's just what you did, and you pretend you're – not staying there, or one person is, and, you know, you've got the person at the front desk asking what room are you in, and you're like, oh, I'm not staying here, and you've got to constantly lie or run past the person, and We <laughs> we do it multiple times like that, that we did that, because all of us are in the same boat, we're like, oh God, this hotel's so expensive this week, let's all just, like, um, pretend we're not staying here or in the same room, or we've got to sneak people in. So, yeah, they were probably pretty standard stories yep. of, um, of uh, growing up on the tennis circuit and you draw short straws of who was going to sleep on the floor and whatnot. It wasn't always like that, but in some places then I mean, it was ridiculously expensive, you'd made a few friends and everyone's in the same boat. So you'd all go, okay, shall we all share this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, get like that.
0: <laughs> And at this stage, were you playing singles only, or were you playing singles and doubles? What were you doing there?
2: No. Um, yeah, I always played singles and doubles. I was the sort of person, if I just played singles, I felt like I was missing out on something. or um, And it was the same with doubles. Uh, at, and at one stage, because my singles ranking and doubles ranking, my doubles ranking was quite far ahead, I thought, oh, let's just um, play a little bit more doubles and see how it goes. Um And I just felt like I wasn't playing well enough because I wasn't playing singles. Uh, It was weird. Um, But I liked both of them just as much. So it's hard when your ranking gets in one way or it gets the other way. You've got to make that choice of, am I just going to give doubles a go or am I just going to... Uh, play singles. Um, it's kind of like Michael Venus. He, he's got a very good doubles ranking. Mm. He's also a very, very good singles player and he's gone out and uh, doing unbelievably well in doubles. But put him on a singles court, he's he's good as well. And singles can take a little bit more time than doubles
1: yep. to uh, become really good at. You obviously know him?
2: Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah.
0: Yeah, good man. And do you, do you have a regular doubles partner? Did you no, have a I, change along the way?
2: No, I didn't. I changed um, I changed quite a bit because because I was so erratic in where I was travelling to and it was hard to plan a whole year uh, in advance. So you'd sort of go, I'd plan out my schedule and I'd see what I'd get into in singles and then I'd go to that tournament and then see who else was there. Mm-hmm. So quite often um, you enter these tournaments, you see what you get into uh, the acceptance list comes out, and you're like, that one looks stronger than that one. That one's cheaper to get to than that one. I'm going to choose this one. It's changed a little bit since then. I think you've got to give your preferences nowadays. But when I was playing, it was like that. And then I'd see who I would probably gel with the best or who I played doubles with the most. Or sometimes I'd text someone and say, look, I'm going here, you going there, let's hook up for doubles. So it ended up being like that. I had a few regulars that we knew that we liked playing doubles together, and we did well with. Um, I played with Sonia Mirza uh, quite a few times, so we won one tournament together, run off of one, and so I think we played about three or four tournaments together, and then she became number one in the world in doubles. So I think I'd like to know, I think that I taught her that. <laughs> <laughs> no. but, uh, Good job. I was sort of at the end of my career When I started playing
1: with her and she was at mm-hmm. Hayden Meikle was claiming That you guys must have won a tennis tournament together And he's claiming he set you off In your um, tennis world Can you confirm <laughs> or deny that?
2: Well I know we did Play mixed doubles Together yeah. And I think we won North Otago chance But there's always Got to be one person Jumping around Claiming that they Helped you around along the way So yeah, yeah. that makes him feel better Maybe We'll let him be- have that yes, That's his only yeah.
0: Of course well, I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> whether, whether, whether because you Had to carry him So much during the game yeah. It just forced well, I Better how to play approach, out of you
2: most I the how yeah. to How to tell someone to stand in the tram line So it was good learning to <laughs> <Yeah. it. laughs>
1: And the amount of balls He missed well Up at the net And you had to come for and probably help develop your game. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. My speed training yeah. was yeah, your phenomenal.
1: Tra- this yeah, <laughs> wise on your behalf. Now, tell me, just yes, a yes. question: When did, and amongst all of that, when did you turn professional, or when would you say you became professional? Was it sixteen, or was it later on down the track? Yeah,
2: probably sixteen is probably when I started. Like. Uh, learning about playing and on the circuit, and that's what I wanted to do. And played my first couple of professional tournaments, um, and then probably, and in I was still playing a little bit of juniors. I was well, I still did until I was seventeen, and then I thought when I was seventeen, I'm not playing any more junior tournaments. Um, it was just a waste of money. You're not for me. I wasn't going to be top ten in juniors or top twenty. Um, unless I invested, like, a lot more money into it, didn't have that. So why don't I just go out, start trying to play professionally and get some uh, ranking points towards my um, world ranking under my belt? Uh, And that's when I played a little bit in Australia, um, throughout Asia, and started working on my ranking. And I came into – I was training with this – I didn't train. I had made friends – with these people and they were in this tennis academy and there were two weeks in between tournaments. They said, I'll oh, come train with us for a while. And I was like, oh, okay. And so they said, yeah, it'll be good because then you're new and you can train with our girls and push them a little bit. And it was awesome and I stayed there for a month and then they kicked me out and they said, no, nah, you're ready. You've got to go and play a tournament in in Italy. So I got on, I was like, okay, booked my flight to Italy and um, did, that's when I started to do really well. I think it's was about 18, uh, made a few quarterfinals or some play um, Court tournaments over the year and just starting to um, build my ranking up to and make it better and better.
1: Yeah, very good. I just, what a lifestyle. One minute you're in Australia, next you're in Italy and then you're back home. <laughs> yeah. Now, understand you were New Zealand number one for five years, is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was on my uh, ranking, like my WTA ranking. Yeah. So I was number one ranked at that stage. So uh, I think my top ranking was about 240 in singles uh, and in doubles, it was about a 130 in doubles. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. made, um, yeah, I've probably won about 22 professional doubles tournaments and won two professional singles tournaments and was runner up of about nine.
1: That's awesome. What's cool. your favourite memory? What's your favourite tournament winning or what's your proudest moment on the tennis circuit?
2: Well, it's probably, it's not even winning, I lost, but <laughs> um, it was probably when I made the major of the Aussie Open because the grandstands are the big ones that you really, really want to win uh, or, or want to play and just get to. So I think I got in and I was the last, me and this Japanese girl were the last team in. We sat outside the sign-in office going, oh, please hope nobody else signs in. And by luck, nobody else did. And so with the last people in, and we are meant to play against Justine Hennon first round, but they and her partner, Megan Shaughnessy, I think, but they pulled out. And then we played against the 19th seeds, uh, which was Caroline Viss and Alexandra Fusai. And they were 19th seeds, but we actually did all right. We, I think it was six, four, seven, five, or something like that, if my memory's correct, but it could be wrong. I could have played... And my head, played a lot better and got more games than <laughs> what I'm recounting now, but <laughs> I think it was. It's
0: a bit uh, like but, Damien and his football. But
2: <laughs> yeah, could be, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that, that was probably one. And then yeah. another one I played against uh, Patty Schneider. She was, like, top in Switzerland. Um, I played her in doubles, and I remember saying to my friends, i got to this tournament in Switzerland, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm playing against Patty, And she was, like, one of our idols growing up. And uh, they're like, "Oh my god!" And I go, "Oh well, you've got to stay and watch me play against her." And they were like, "Okay," and they'd lost already. And uh, so they ended up staying to uh, watch my match. And I remember I aced her, and I turned around and laughed (laughs) because I was like, "They knew what was going through my head." I was like, "I can't (laughs) believe I just aced Patty," (laughs) and they were like, "Going, oh my god, I can't believe it either." (laughs) And then we won, and then we ended up me and my uh, doubles partner ended up winning that match. And I was still like, "God." Oh my god! I can't believe I beat Betty because yeah. <laughs> she was such a legend growing mm. up. You know, yeah.
0: yeah. Right, so, awesome
2: memory. so that was probably a claim to fame. Yeah.
0: Mm. and some other big names along the way.
2: Uh, yeah, a lot of the Aussies I played against, like Alicia Mollick, um, Sam Stosur. I played doubles once with Sam Stoser. Um, and, and people like that. A lot of Europeans uh Better Kill who was top thirty once, you know. You beat some of them and they drop, drift um who were top were top hundred or are top hundred at the time, which is a great win, but probably more doubles. I had um bigger wins, so got to a few um semifinals at some WTA um, events which are the equivalent of um the AF at Auckland. So yeah.
1: What about injuries? Do you keep yourself pretty fit and healthy along the way or did injuries play a
2: I was lucky I wasn't too hammered by injuries, just like now I'm I'm feeling like my shoulder injury, which I basically managed to um, over the years just um, be okay with my shoulder, my shoulder was good, Um, it was always kind of there, but it wasn't that bad, Um, and then my Achilles, when I was playing I could get away with it, sometimes it was really bad, but Sometimes not so much. So I managed to manage them. Um yep. but now like say if I went for a run. <laughs> the next so I don't know if this is just me being unfit in general anyway, but um <laughs> I'm sore the next day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah that's
1: pretty general. That, yeah. But the Achilles is very sore. You are them to the choir, yeah. We, we, we hear your pain. Um, I realise that um, you've got to go pick up some children or something, so we'll just sort of um, ask you a couple more questions, but um, how, yeah. did you, how did you know when it was time to come home again or how did you, when you'd finished? I
2: kind of... Um, so like the last few years of my career I was uh, ended up meeting my husband um, and sort of after three months uh, I was kind of in there um, and you know like I'd sort of meet him and he's Dutch but he was living in New Zealand at the time and I said well what's the point of me being in Europe and you being in New Zealand why don't you just come and travel with me for a, a little bit and we'll see you know if it sort of eventuates from there and if it doesn't we just part our ways and if it does oh that's great because it's quite lonely when you're travelling by yourself yep. uh, the whole time. And um, so they ended up travelling with me for the next two two years. And um, we had a really good time, um, actually. It was great because his parents live in Holland, so we had to go there and hang out in Holland a little bit. And it was just good in your downtimes that you had also someone there. Uh, we could do other things like um, sightseeing and uh, things like that because quite often when you'd be at a tournament and you'd lose – the last place you want to, do, the last thing you want to do is go sightseeing. You want to just get out of the place. Like you could ask me, the most hated place. I well, the place that I hate going to the most in the world. And it's probably somewhere nice. It's just because I lost there, yeah. um, and <laughs> you just want to leave and get on to the next one. So when I was with him, it was um, just actually nice to have someone there. And then probably the end of the last year, I was like, look, I'm just over this. I just want to settle down and um, do something different. And he was like, okay, let's have kids. So, okay. It was and then different. I got yeah, yeah. straight away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was that right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, oh, oh. You know, I think I was still playing my last tournament and I was like, Oh, shoot. So what are we gonna do now? <laughs> and then so we just um, ended up having a plan and three kids later, here we are.
1: Well done. And um, yeah. why choose Auckland? You know, we'd welcome you back here to Papakaya with open arms and, uh, you know, you'd be treated well and we'd put on another potluck dinner for you and the family? Or <laughs> I guess oh, I really... would love to. Yeah,
2: I have high recommendations of Omaro down yeah. in there. I always tell people the cost of living in Auckland is going up. We should all move to Omaro. Don't, don't I tell too many so. Omaro. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's, there's a few um, doing it. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, no, definitely. Um I think because uh, my parents eventuated uh, when, I, when I was about 16, 17, they moved uh, to... well, They moved up north and then they live in Auckland now yep. and then um, basically that's, that's why we do and just... Me integrating into tennis coaching was easier to um, to live in Auckland and where, where we are at the moment. So I think I've been in the same spot for 18 years at the same club. So uh, yeah, it's hard to leave that because it's sort of into my uh, my other home now.
0: Well, it sounds like you've. Your parents looked after you, um, letting you go off on all these adventures and things and sending you money and so on. So, you know, you've given them three grandchildren now, so yeah. it's probably evens up the box a wee bit.
2: Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, now I look after them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well done.
2: Yeah. So, no, no, it's just been the natural progression. But always have fond memories of down and on and my I do tell people of it because that, that sort of – because we moved around so much, that was our – sort of our grounding was there and then um, my parents had two more kids down there and so now there's five of us. So, yeah we oh. always love um, catching up with people it's
1: funny who you catch up with in Auckland from Omeroo so no it's great yeah we're everywhere alright well, we're very proud yeah. of you Shelley <laughs> and um, your tennis abilities and just that sense of adventure on you I'm really impressed I didn't know all that story I'm, I'm so impressed how far <laughs> you got on your own that's, <laughs> that's fantastic but so thank you for coming on the podcast thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule and um, next time you're in North Otago the Mayor of Waitaki Gary Kirchhoff will show you <laughs> and the family uh, feed at um, Scotts Brewery, one of our fine establishments down here. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds
2: amazing! Because I does. think I went there last time. If I'd known that.
1: yeah, <laughs> we well, would Gary's, have ordered more. What do what I do. Gary's got a tab there. Just so it's yeah. on Gary's tab, and he doesn't.
0: I, I can't. I can't believe you're a pastor in a church and, you, and you're just telling these lies. Hey, you, you? shout someone a mail well, I know you get. I I, yeah. I would. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. no. Hey, so, look, it'd be great to to welcome you back anytime, Shelley.
2: Oh no, thank you. I've got, um. And thanks for
1: having me. I wondered if you and I could play tennis and we could win the Masters Mixed Doubles and then I can get a tennis trophy. Cause my tennis was very average. I used to play for Western and um, that coaching you talk about at White girl? Girls. My parents tried to put me into that, and I think the guy kicked me out again. I was that bad. So, yeah, we probably crossed <laughs> path. A few is, times is, here. is it
0: possible to play doubles and for, for yeah. someone to be off the court because otherwise you'd hit him in the back of the bigger head that he's got? I he played for
1: um, school a wee bit, but I was, I was always ranked number four in the team before. I don't uh, know why.
0: but No. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah. thanks very much, Shelley. Thanks, Shelley it's re- really, on. really great hearing your story. Oh no, so story. much for having me. All Thank right. you.
1: Okay. Thank you. Isn't that incredible, Gary?
0: Yeah, that it's was very good.
1: Honestly, didn't know that.
0: No, it was the, the personal stories and so forth, but it's also yeah, just understanding that pathway that individuals have to take in sports yeah. like tennis to, yeah. to get where they get to.
1: She's so focused and so determined and that's mm. how she got to where she was and that's yeah. any of the young girls listening. We've had a few inspirational young ladies on the podcast talked about where they got to flying helicopters or being Miss New Zealand but um, this is just another one of you set your mind on it and you can do it and you can travel the world and you can see the world and, and you can be a professional in a sport
0: that you choose. if you. Yeah, and just yeah. be careful what you tell your parents when yeah. you're doing it.
1: No, tell your parents later. <laughs> All right, Gary, good talking to you and we'll see you again next week.
0: Thanks very much. Cheers.